0: Hello. We've been expecting you. I'd like to welcome you to Thoughts from Aunt Wu, the Avatar podcast where we know the future. Today we will be discussing Book 1, Episode 7, The Spirit World, The Winter Solstice, Part 1. Today on our panel we have Corey. Hello. And, for the first time, a very special guest. I'd like to welcome Mitchell. Hello. So... No, Charles and Lindsay today. Unfortunately, they had something going on. But I have Lindsay's thoughts. I do not have Charles's. I will try and get those at some point. Uh, but since we have our first guest, I want to start by having Mitchell introduce himself and discussing a little bit about how he, what he thinks about the show and all of that. So, Mitchell, uh, what, how do you feel about Avatar and everything with the podcast?
1: Well, uh, in terms of Avatar, I watched uh, Legend of Vang a while back. I've been rewatching it recently. Cora, uh, I'm actually currently on book three, and it's been very enjoyable so far. So, pretty good there. Uh, in terms of the podcast, I think that this is a first for me. Uh, so, well, you know, it's certainly an experience.
0: Okay, well, glad to have you here. Um, so, yes, so we're going to be doing uh, what we've always been doing with these. Uh, and start with our initial thoughts. So Corey, why don't you kick things off with your initial thoughts of this episode?
2: I feel like almost guilty because I, I feel like every week I'm I'm, tell- I'm raving about an episode and it's I feel like if people don't know me, they think I'm just... I, I think everything is good, but I, I swear this is legitimately how I feel and I, I try to critique as, as close to the buck as I can. And I, like every other episode so far, absolutely love this episode. I, I thought both stories, the one from Iroh and then the one from Aang, were phenomenal. They introduced one of the biggest plot points of the show, and that's Sosin's Comet. Um, you, you get the, the timetable on how he could talk to uh, the previous Avatar before him. Um, you, you find out so much you need to find out. Uh, again, you'll hear me throughout this episode raving about Iroh because he was phenomenal this episode. And so was um, so was pretty much everything. Everything in this episode I loved, and it's definitely one of the best ones of season one.
0: Okay. Uh, Mitchell, how about you? What were your initial thoughts on this episode?
1: Well, I was uh, pretty interested at uh, the whole int- uh, well, introduction to uh, you know, the spirit world from Aang's point of view, at least his first time anyways. I thought that was pretty cool, Uh, especially because recently watching Korra, it was just very, it was just very different. Um, That said, um, in terms of Iroh, I thought it was it was really interesting um, because of you know it also introduces a lot more about um, Iroh's character in terms of you know what you know. I guess it it's the beginning of his character development, so I thought that was really interesting also like Corey said about the meteor. I thought
0: that was, you know, I thought that was, uh, that was an important point. Okay. Great. Um, yeah, for me, I, I like this episode. Um, I did think it was kind of a weird episode, uh, in some ways though, because there's some things that are, um, just a little bit odd. Well, when you get right down to it, because this is a very different spirit world style than we see later on in this show. Um, when ang goes into the spirit world in later times um now i'm not I, i'm not entirely sure the logistics of that because i've never fully understood the spirit world at least in the context of tla um but i did like it a lot um i think this episode is very interesting for introducing the more spiritual aspects of it um and there's a lot of obviously set up for future things that are just we're going to see a lot uh throughout the show um I agree with uh, Corey about the Iro stuff. Um, I thought this episode was very interesting for Iroh um, and did some really cool things uh, for that. Um, but overall, yeah. So now we'll get into our episode discussion. Um, and I just say, uh, so just really right off the bat, I think this episode introduces um, that you kind of have this, this weird, this great tension um, with Aang in this episode because this is really the first time we see Aang... Kind of freaking out about something revolving the war, the, revolving the war, um, and you have this great juxtapos- juxtaposition at the beginning of the episode with Aang sort of being the sort of fun, whimsical kid he is, where he jumps through the cloud and is like, "Oh, this looks fun!" No, it turns out the clouds are just water. What you know? It, it's kind of this fun, very fun side of Ang, very childish side of Ang, um, and then we immediately jump into Ang's depression at the forest. Um, and I, I, I like that juxtaposition between sort of seeing Aang as a kid and then suddenly like Aang realizing his resources um, that he needs them.
2: Yep. Uh, I was thinking the exact same thing at the beginning of the episode. Um, I they the, the first scene ever was the cloud scene. You know, whimsical, fun, just like a lot of the beginning of the rest of the show usually is at this point of the show. And then you see the burned down forest, Aang completely devastated, and I thought another very nice scene was, uh, uh, Katara showing him the acorn saying, yeah, the, the forest will grow back. It'll be here again, which, so it's, it shows that, you know, even the bad, nothing's permanent. Also showing that the, um, the fire nation doesn't care. They're there. It's a war They're It's a, a tactic to burn down the forest. They don't care about, you know, the nature or the spirits at all. They don't, take that into consideration, so you're starting to see the stakes of what happens with the Fire Lord, you know, being in control right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I actually thought, you know, the interesting part was just how, you know, this this episode really introduces uh, Aang's, you know, like, job, I guess, as the Avatar more than anything else. Um, I thought that was really interesting um, just because, you know, I think that up to that point, you kind of get the 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 gist of it, but this really shows, like you know, like the importance of you know the avatar in the you know uh, you know his his role in the world, pretty much you know, especially as um, the bridge between spirits.
0: Um. Yeah, I think that that's that's definitely uh, true, and this, I think that kind of gets right into what I want to talk about uh, when it comes to Aang, where I feel like you have. Um, a, I also... I talk about the juxtaposition of sort of Aang, just the childish Aang versus Aang once he sees the scar. I also like how they they balance with Sokka. Sort of you have Sokka with this very visceral anger. The Fire Nation, they're these these brutal this, this, that. Well, you have Aang, who's not angry, he's just upset. He's just visibly shaken by this. And I think that you can sort of see the difference of Aang sort of feeling responsibility for what he did versus Aang seeing... Um, versus Sokka, who's just angry at, at what happened. Right? At the, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see that. Um, Alright, and then the next big part of this, I mean, we spent all of last episode, um, and neither of you actually were here for that, so it's a little bit um, kind of funny, but um, we spent all of last episode talking about how much of a gut punch seeing people in concentration camps was, and how Aang didn't care. Like, Not that he didn't care, but we, he doesn't do anything. That Last episode, Aang was completely meaningless he never really did anything until katara asked him to do something and now we see a burned piece of land and sure that's depressing it's sad but it's not at least to me it, it wouldn't it doesn't seem as as big as the as important as we as what you would see with say at concentration camps and i think that it's interesting to see how much this affects Aang compared to the last one um where i think part of it is obviously ang sort of failing to protect nature um and ang's ability to sort of connect to nature in a way that that i don't know if he can with people because he was raised sort of without true family without sort of things but i'm not i don't think that's really exactly what they're going through um i just think that i I, it seems like ang is very much detached from the world and very much detached from people right now because of the separation with the fact that the only you know, he doesn't know, no one alive except Boomy from when his, his previous time. He, yeah, he has guitar and soccer, but he doesn't have what he used to have, and I think he feels very detached. Um, so seeing people in prison is not the same as eventually seeing this sort of just nature in a very sort of. I, I don't know how to exactly describe it, but Corey, you get the gist of what I'm saying?
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of that has to do with him being the Avatar and having that light spirit in him, and obviously you don't really find out what the light spirit truly is or what the avatar truly is until Korra but like you can see why the avatar would have a much more bigger affinity to nature and spirits and the the eternal world and all that and like more so than people in a way so it, it just makes sense from him being the avatar. I think if it was anyone else they they obviously would have been more triggered by the concentration camp so him being the avatar I think is what brought, brought this out of him.
1: I actually think it's more about, you know, how do you put it, I think it's this upgrading and, and why that influences him so much more than, you know, maybe other people in the sense that, you know, raised as a monk, I guess that being attuned to nature is more part of him and also, you know, I think that his closest relationships are not necessarily with people. So I think that he feels closer toward towards nature in that sense, and seeing something that he loves so much or that he feels so close to being ravished, you know, affects him much more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true, um, and I, I just, I, in general, I, I, and I I've, you know, I'll continue to say about sort of Ang's character arc and in the beginning how much Aang sort of. Is, is not really it, it, there's all this a lot of this tension about his role of the Avatar I just think that it's, it, it's very interesting to me that his, the thing that really starts Aang sort of in this, okay I need to step up and be the Avatar, be the Spirit Bridge or whatever is, is sort of seeing a burned patch of land as opposed to seeing people being oppressed, I, I just, I think it, it, it's interesting and, and tells a lot about where Aang is right now in his um, in his development um, the other thing that I think this gets at, which is very interesting, and this is where, to be honest, we're going to there's going to be a little bit of Korra talk, so if you're, if you're not into Korra, uh, you may want to sort of skip for a little bit, but, um, it really is interesting to see sort of Aang not having anyone to teach him. Um, I know we're going to get, he's going to get Roku and, and, he will start to talk to Roku in, in, the next episode, obviously, and then, um, he'll talk to him again, uh, you know, fairly often throughout the rest of the series. Um, but if you, the only other avatar that we spend a legitimate amount of time with, obviously, is Korra, and we see that Korra has spiritual guides. She has Tenzin, who kind of fails her a little bit. We have Unalak, who may have been trying to manipulate her, and then eventually she has Jinora. But in general, she's never really expected to figure out how to be the Avatar on her own. She's mostly given she's mostly given teachers in order to do that. Um, we don't get to see Roku's training. We don't get to see Kiyoshi's training or any of the earlier ones, and obviously. Um, Juan was the first, so we, we, we don't get much out of him. Um, so what I'm curious about is whether you guys think um, that this that the way Koro was taught was a response from Aang who sort of realized how little guidance he got, and said, "I I'm going to put down this edict to my kind of followers, whatever. You need to make sure you teach my successor as much as possible." Um, and that's why Tenzin was going to guide her in the ways of the spirits, and then you know all these others. Or do you think that in general avatars typically had spiritual guidance, spiritual teachers and Aang just didn't because of all the chaos with the war and as a result he can't um, it's harder for him to learn early on?
1: I actually think it's because of the war. Um, Mostly I think that just the circumstances made it so that Aang didn't have any preparation whatsoever for what his job was supposed to be done, and I think especially in this episode we see that that he doesn't know anything about what it means to be the Avatar, you know. When especially he doesn't know how to deal with Heibai in the first place, you know. He has absolutely no idea, and I think that other Avatars, uh, previous and probably had some sort of guidance in the be- in the beginning, uh, and so maybe that. But I was actually curious though because uh, the episode implies that. He could only talk to Roku, uh, you know, at a specific point in time, or at least to get introduced to Roku. And in Korra, you don't really see that, you know, like she kind of manages. Well, at first she can't, but
0: she connects to Aang and the other avatars pretty easily. Um, I'll get I'll get to the the first thing you said, but to sort of get on the the, the question is. My understanding, and this is supposition on my part, but my understanding of this is that once you make the first connection with a member of your past life, then it kind of opens the door. But until you've made that first connection, it's really, really hard, which is why Aang has to go, and we'll obviously talk about this a ton in a week because it's the next episode, but Aang has to go to this island to sort of meet Roku the first time. then once he does that, it sort of opens the door so he can make connections later on. Um, Cora it's different because of how much she struggles with um, struggles with the spiritual side and, and is sort of forced to her lowest point before she can finally make a make connection with her with with Aang. Um, so I, I at least that's how I think. I don't know if Corey, if you have a, a different opinion on that or if you agree. Um, it's a hard question because you don't see the
2: origins of any Avatar except for you know, Cora and you kind of see Aang's From what I saw from Aang, though, in his flashbacks, uh, they were going to have him get spiritual advice and and really coddle him as the Avatar, especially because he found out so much earlier than normal. So I think it's the the first point you made where... Or no, sorry, the second point you made where um, every Avatar has a crutch unless there's something extreme happening, like what just happens to be happening right now. So I really do think that Avatars really do have a spiritual crutch to lean on while they're they're learning themselves. and discovering mm-hmm. themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I just think it's interesting because you, you can definitely see um, the tension in Aang and uh, in Aang's story with how much he sort of has to do things on his own. Um, and I think that it, Korra in many ways made me appreciate that a bit more because of how much Korra is kind of coddled and, and given, in many ways, too much training, too much um, support, and therefore struggles with other things because of that and I think that it's just interesting seeing the, the differences between those two
1: I actually think that's a reason why Cora frustrates me so much especially in the book one it's just how ungrateful she actually seems for all the training I guess that's because you have Legend of Aang to keep it in perspective you know where, whereas Aang doesn't have anything that he has, he has to learn everything himself or you know find his teachers himself Korra kind of just has everything already handed to her on a plate.
0: Yes. Um, and I don't want to... Obviously, as I, as I as I said on multiple podcasts before, I don't want to turn this into a into a Legend of Korra uh, yeah. overall discussion because that, you know, we, we'll be here for six hours um, and you haven't even finished the show. Um, and so not to get too far into it because obviously Mitchell hasn't and, and we try not to spoil too many things here, but I think that I appreciate... The reason I think I do think it Corey is annoying in book one, but I, I appreciate the reason why because I think it makes sense given her upbringing and given what she's uh, had to go through. Um, so we get a little bit of the sort of the beginning of the of the Zuko and Iroh thing, and it's very silly, but I love it. I love this this whole hot tub, you know. I, I love Iro the like sort of. He knows exactly what he's doing when he stands up and is like, "I'm gonna get a few extra minutes, and I'm gonna like just." It was, the look on his face when he just kind of sits down and is like, "Yep, well played, Iro. Well played. I, I love that.
2: That's what I, I just. That's, can I can I just please okay. just rave about? L- let me explain. Go ahead. Everything you can right. go on an
0: Iro an, an Iro rave fest for a few minutes. Go ahead. So,
2: Iro knew him standing up. Naked would make him go away and he would get more time. He knew it like it, it's he's a tactician, man so th- th- There's the fact that he's such a good tactician. He could set that up. He He's just like he's such a good I can't there's there's so many more I'm gonna jump further into the the episode because so go many at. things but like there's that There's the fact that you saw him heating the water with his nose Which is a very cool fire bending thing which you know you really haven't seen before so that's cool, which is also used later in the episode. That's just good writing. It's like the whole show don't tell thing, And in, in worse shows or in other shows, I could see them being like, I, I know that you know back in your your other days you used to be able to breathe fire out of your nose and blah blah blah, and they just would have said it. But in this episode, they showed it, and they showed it in a nice comedic way, in a nice way that also benefits his character, just wanting to be zen and relax and he and like again he uses that power later on in the episode to escape obviously he 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 knew that falling off the the, the horse would would get the shoe down so and then he knew he'd be rescued there it's just like he thinks three steps ahead of everything and that's something i appreciated about this i love the nickname dragon of the west it's one of the coolest nicknames ever it showed he used to be a badass and, and lay siege to cities for hours on end he was humble in the defeat that he couldn't take out Sing, uh, Ba Sing Se, which another man, for example, Admiral, um, oh my god. Zhao. Um, yeah, Zhao would have been furious about. And he not only was respectful in defeat, he, he knew that, like, it's, uh, he respects the city now. He has such a respect for Ba Sing Se because of his defeat. And he's just, it's, everything about him is perfect. Like, do you see, like, why he's one of my favorite characters in all of fiction? Like, it's just like, this is an episode that really highlights, like, if I couldn't, if I was talking to someone that never watched a show, this is a very good episode to show them about why, all the reasons Iroh is one of the best characters in all of Airbender.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Iroh a lot, I'm not, you know, I'm completely there with you, and I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, um, I, and I, I really like the point you make about, about the showing and not telling, because I think that this story just does just so much of that where they're they're willing to just throw little um little tidbits of of sort of show of something that we see happens as opposed to just being like oh we're gonna tell someone hey we can do this this works and that's just that's just really great um so yeah i I, to be honest there's really not not much i can add to that unless you have anything mitchell i actually just
1: i i just think that this episode does a really good job of um, expanding on Iroh more, like, I, and I agree. I think he's a great character, but more than more than anything, I think that this this episode specifically it just shows like the extent of his abilities, or like uh, he's more that. I mean, for people who are you know watching uh, chronolo- chronologically, you know, it shows that he's more he, there's more to him than what you think he is. I guess is the best way to put it. You know, he's brilliant, but also uh, you know at some point he also sees you know Ang in spirit form with roku's dragon and you know he sees it and he sees him passing so you know it shows that uh, not only is he a great tactician or you know he's very intelligent about uh what he has to do when he gets captured but that he also has this uh attunement to the spirit world already in the first place you know that he can see the avatar and roku's spirit dragon in the first place so i thought that was really cool
0: yeah yep um, so then we swing back over to um, the our, uh, Aang and, and the rest of them. Um, and I like that Katara, and you see how quickly Katara knows how to cheer Aang up and understands how to get through to him. Um, and it's something that I, I really appreciate um, about their relationship is you can see, um, and by relationship I just mean their friendship at this point, but um, how much you can see Katara knows exactly how to cheer Aang up and how to sort of, she, she recognizes what, kind of thing would get through to him um, and i like that a lot um, so then we get into the village um, and i and i said back during omashu a lot i said during kiyoshi i'm gonna say it again here we have another new location and once again it looks awesome it's the, it's co- it looks completely different i mean the 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 set the twilight aspect of it is the big part of it um, you know, the fact that we're seeing it at, at, at in the evening and into the night but this is another like now. This is a small village, unlike last week, which you know you kind of see. You could see this sort of mining town that was being oppressed by the Fire Nation. Now we're seeing something that's even a little bit more different, and I just love the different locations that this show is able to have um, in general. It, it's one of the it's one of the best um, aspects of it with this.
2: And as you said, it feels like a real world. Like even though like like. It's, it's again. It's they're they're kind of in the, the exact same area, but this is how the real world is. There's just the diversity everywhere you go, and as you said, it's 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 an animating goldmine for someone watching you know a cartoon and seeing all these different set pieces in a television show, and you don't really see that even in good shows. You don't even see that very well. So it's to its credit for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, the other thing that is really nice about this episode um, is how much work they do to kind of show the importance of Aang, and not just in the, him being spirit bridge but also how much people are very clearly taken with his presence uh, I mean we saw it quite a bit in the kiyoshi episode um, but in many ways it, it it annoyed me because of how much it went to Aang's head um, but in this case we see we sort of say you know the the person who says it's the honor of a lifetime to meet you uh, I mean that's that's really like high praise coming from someone saying that, that you know meeting them is the honor of a lifetime and it's and I really liked that, um, I, I liked how much there's sort of, it's not like this huge part of this, this episode, it's not a big deal that people are like taken with Aang, but it's just another little thing of like how you see it and it, it, it helps to enforce, yes, the Avatar is important. It's not, he's not just important because, oh, the show is called Avatar. Like you can clearly see throughout the world how important this person is, how much people in the world respect in his importance.
1: I think not just that, but, it really shows the power of his name um, as the Avatar. You know, like just because he's the Avatar, you know, people um, you know, regardless of where he goes, people treat him, you know, with honor or respect. Or, well, in the Fire Nation case, you know, they want to kill him. But um, I think that is, that is really that is really important, especially for world building, since that's kind of the point we're getting to. Is that you know, it really shows that the Avatar is definitely a very, a very a very almost legendary kind of like figure in most people's in most people's heads I think
0: Corey did you jump in on that? yeah um
2: I actually also liked um how straight it was played this time like you know the first time it happened you you got the, the gushing guy and the the fangirls and all that this time it was just played as a, a straight line of respect so that's a nice, how they're not repeating jokes. It, it feels different this time than it did the other time. And it doesn't go to Aang's head this time. And it, it's just a, a regular scene of
0: respect and admiration. Yeah. Yep, totally agree. Um, so now we get into the, the start of, of Aang's uh, issues with Hei Bai. Um, and... Uh, I'm just gonna do this again because it's just gonna keep happening. Uh, but this really does feel like a lot of the setup for for book two of Korra, um, with with sort of this episode feels very similar to, to book one episode uh, or book two episode one and two of Legend of Korra uh, Rebel Spirit with sort of Korra having to feel out um, how to deal with spirits. Um, and the reason I do want to mention it though, in terms of Aang is because it also makes you appreciate just how different Korra and Ang are as as characters because. Korra is all about, like, saying to her uncle, like, I want to learn how to fight spirits. And then in this episode, you have Aang saying to Sokka, I don't want to fight them. I want to just, um, you know, I want to learn, learn about them, or I want to, uh, I want to help them. And it, it shows how, how different these two characters are. And in many ways, having watched, you know, now having watched all of Korra, it actually makes me appre- it made me appreciate this part of Aang's character here where it fits. You can see you can see just at every, every turn how much of a pacifist, how much this guy is, is really truly taking the airbender philosophy to heart.
1: I think in Eng's case though is that that's what he grew up with, right? That's the only ideology that he knows in his mind. And also Eng's character compared to Korra is significantly different Uh you know, Korra has always has always been that more aggressive personality, and well, Aang's kind of the guy trying to fix the world as best as he can, without you know making too many enemies on the uh, you know on the way there. If anything is because Aang really is just a kid, you know, at heart.
0: Oh no, I, I agree. I definitely agree. I just what I, I guess what I'm what I'm getting at is that it. I like how much this episode puts in the work to, to see what Aang's philosophy is and what Aang's uh, life is um, and I think that it, it, it helps make us understand how when we see him later on in whether dealing with spirits or dealing with humans um, it makes us understand it much better when he's you know dealing with things in, in, in this same sort of airbender style of way um, and as i said, to me, Aang's character arc can be boiled down to the tension between being the Avatar versus being an airbender. And I, it, it almost feels like this is a little bit of that tension where the the people and his um, – he needs to sort of deal with a spirit problem, but he's coming at it from an airbender perspective. And not that that's the the wrong thing. In the end, it is the right thing. Being nice to haybai is what works. But I think that there's – it's more of just that this is Aang's philosophy this is how he acts and I and I genuinely enjoy that um, and I appreciate it more now uh, coming off of Cora um, so now we go back to, to, to IRO uh, I mean Corey covered this quite a bit when he was going on about IRO I mean just to back Corey up here I uh, I have written in my notes dragon of the West amazing name um, so yes I, I, I have total agreement um, there with Cory with Corey on that Um so I'm going to kind of gloss over that part unless, Corey, you have anything else you want to say about the the amb- ambush of the Earthbenders?
2: Um, what I actually appreciate, too, it's again, it's something I, I noticed. Um, you completely... are You understand why the Earthbenders are doing what they're doing. And you know what's funny? You're rooting for the Firebenders here. You're rooting for Iroh. You're rooting for um, uh, Zuko. And there's no clear-cut bad guy. Everything is in gray. Like... The, the even though the earth uh, the people that are kidnapping Iro may come across as you know mean or or any any way unlikable obviously they are they hate him he laid siege the bosing say their capital they're in a constant state of war he's a fire nation ex or general like obviously they're going to act like this so there's no clear cut bad guy here there's there's nothing here that makes you really say like wow, I don't like how they're acting right now. And even though by this point, the, the people watching probably like Iroh and they're rooting for him not to get his hands smashed so he can't bend anymore. Like you understand why this is happening. You're, 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 you don't really, you're not really rooting one way or another. You're not rooting against the Earth Nation by any stretch. So it, that's another tidbit I, I really enjoyed too.
0: Yeah, I, I think they play the the, the Earthbending uh, soldiers very well because at the end of the day, these are kind of the people who are on our side, but they're also fighting, you know, sort of battling against our, you know, the people we're semi-rooting for. Um, so yeah, I think that they 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 are sort of showing off the, the little bit of shades of gray. But I also think that they very clearly um, were very smart to place Iro in this position because if it was the other way around, I don't think we would have been rooting for Zuko. I think that like if Iro was chasing after Zuko, we would have been like, well. I hope he gets captured and dies. I mean, at this point, at least. I mean, obviously, later on, that's not the truth. But at this point, I mean, I don't, I don't, I never felt that much connection to Zuko right now. But with Iroh, I definitely agree with you. So I think that's also a smart decision there.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree with that too. I think it's only because of Iro that you feel that way um, towards you
0: know how towards the Earthbenders at the very least. Um, so, obviously, we're going to have kind of a bit of back and forth between, between the two stories. Um, so, Aang, now we go back uh, to Aang. Um, and the big thing about this part, I, I love how Hayvi looks. Um, it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and it's, it, it fits the art style so well, um, which I think is actually, like, thinking about it, I realized it, it's difficult because you already have these hybrid animals that look different and are, feel a little bit different. Uh, from the real world, so they had to do something to make spirits feel even more different, and yet they, they capture it perfectly. With you know this hay by just it looks like this rampaging spirit that it is, um, and I and I, I, I love that it's it's, anim- it's it's sort of its movement, its animations look great, having it sort of teleport around a little bit and destroying houses. It, it it feels exactly what it should be. Um, and overall, I think the spirit, the, the way they handle spirits in this show is just very very good. Um, and we're going to continue to see that as we as we move along. I think mean, not just that, also the fact that there's a
1: clear, distinguished uh, difference between enraged spirits and also you know just spirits in their normal form. Especially when you see in the end that he's a panda spirit. I thought that was I, th- I always thought that's really cool. And mm-hmm. especially how you know like the rage spirit you know looks a lot more intimidating and angry, and that it can manifest itself in that kind of you know angry way I thought that was really interesting and I, I, I do appreciate that a lot and the show
0: yeah um, so then uh, we go back and we get get a little bit of Detective Zuko uh, and, and personally I, I don't know why and I don't, I don't even think this was trying to be funny but I found Sokka's or uh, not Sokka I say Sokka because I'm talking about comedy here uh, Zuko's line of like those rocks didn't move naturally like Hmm, Zuko, if only we knew that people in this world could move rocks in unnatural ways. Like, it's its so funny to me. I'm just like, duh, they're earthbenders, Zuko. Like, w- w- what else? What are you even trying to say? Well, here? hold but on I, a second. I like it. He's I actually saying, like it. I'm not, they're not criticism. But.
2: Well, he's saying it in response to his men being like, maybe there was a rock slide. He was like, rocks don't move. He said it as a response. He's not, he didn't just say it because he was Detective Zuko and
0: stating the obvious, he was responding to his men. No, I, you're right. And I, 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 I'm, not, it's not, I'm not, it's not a criticism. This is just sort of, it, it, it struck me as funny because to some degree I feel like he could have been like, it was clearly Earthbenders, but it was, it just, the way he said it made it sound like more of a reveal than it was for a world that we know that there's Earthbender. It was just, I don't know. I, maybe it's more that I'm laughing at his men for being like, not immediately looking at and knowing that there were Earthbenders there.
2: I'm again um, I'm going to be fair. At the setting,
0: yeah, yeah, go on, it, sorry.
1: Clearly there's no there's no place for a rock slide to happen in the first place. I think if anything Zuko's being a little sarcastic. It's like, "Come on, guys." Yeah, bro. no,
0: that's, that's my point. I feel like Sokka is or uh, I keep saying Sokka because it's comedy, but uh, I feel like Zuko is being sarcastic here, being like, you know, "Guys, come on. Obviously those rocks are were moved by earthbenders."
2: No, I think it was a serious scene because, again, if you think about really the target audience of the show, it's, you know, young tweens, kids, uh, young adults. So, like, I could see his men clearly, you know, if they say it, then him as a response saying, like, rocks don't move like this. Like, it's, you know, I don't think it was done
0: Okay, I, not not that important, but just, just, just
1: kind of a funny observation. See, this is why they're soldiers, and he's the he's a general, or you know, he's at a
0: higher rank than him. Ah, he's paid to think better. <laughs> no, he's not paid. He's an exiled <laughs> prince. He's clearly not being paid, Mitchell. <laughs> um, uh, one little point about Sokka going in. Um. It's very small, and it, it doesn't really go much, but I do think it's interesting that Sokka enters the spirit world before Aang does, um, and that sort of the first one of the group to enter the spirit world is Sokka. Um, the sort of least spiritual, least um, aware person in this group is the one who enters the spirit world even before Aang does, and I just think that's very interesting um, for Aang's story. It doesn't, it doesn't come up much, but it's just one of those like little tidbits that's, that, that makes me... Sort of makes me think a little bit. Um, so now jumping back to back to Iro, and like I said, this it's, it's interesting. Sort of, and I I like the pacing for this episode, but sort of jumping between the two stories. Uh, and many people will talk about storytelling with like, meanwhile back at the ranch, which is sort of the. You tell a story, then you jump back to a different story, then you go back to the other one. Meanwhile, and you know it's called "Meanwhile, Back at the Ranch." And I think this episode does a really good job of it. Um, I'm just sort of laughing myself with looking at my notes with the podcast, where it feels like I'll say like one thing, and then I'll jump back to the other thing. Um, but I like, and Corey mentioned this a little bit about uh, Iro's failure at Bossing Say, um, but I never realized, and obviously you wouldn't knowing it watching the first time, but how unbelievably heartbreaking this was for me to hear because remember Iroh failed not because he was a bad tactician or because he made a mistake but because his son died and his son died and he just abandoned things um and it's it's really I think you can sort of think to the amount of motion that must be going on for for Iroh to sort of play it off as my men were tired we needed to just abandon the siege when you know in reality he's almost like should be saying like no you you know, know you guys, my son died, you would have left too. Like I'm no you know and I I like that Iroh plays it off and it and it adds more to his character but it it, for me this was like a scene that I never realized how like sad it was but it really is very sad.
1: Yeah. I mean I think for I think if anything for him for him to you know, besides the fact that he is with the enemy Um, him you know not you know just kind of playing it off not only does it you know does he doesn't give anything away in terms of you know why they failed or you know or you know doesn't give him much of a satisfaction otherwise Um, emotionally I think it's a way for him to deal with it you know I think that uh, it's something that he might not necessarily be completely you know like over so by playing it off you know it's kind of like emotionally just Putting it away, or you know, masking the pain, and almost in a sense, you know, not mm. by not making too big of a deal. Right? Yeah. yeah. Corey.
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, I'm I'm sorry if I'm blanking. You you don't know really about Iro's son, right?
0: No, we know nothing no. about it. This is purely from a uh, having known what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a very good. It's funny. Um, I didn't even think about that when I rewatched the episode. I, obviously, I knew. I know everything about his son. I just didn't even think that would be his backup excuse. And that's a, that's another... Again, that's another thing I... Very good. Very good.
0: Yeah. Um, and then also, only only Iroh can fall asleep on a horse convincingly in order to leave a trail. Like That, that is something I don't think there's any other person can pull off. But Iroh makes it look easy. Um, the other thing is, as we sort of come to the end of this act, um, I, I found... The imagery of seeing Katara holding um, Sokka's boomerang as Sokka is missing, um, it, like there's something really sad about that imagery. Um, I mean, we know how much Sokka you know, kind of loves that boomerang, and there's there's all you know the, the line we hear all the time with like boomerang always come back. And you can almost like feel like Saka, hold, like, Katara holding this, being like Sokka, come back. I mean, you, you, you know, you're the boomerang guy. Please come back to me. And I, 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 there's some imagery there that's really. Um, quite lovely um so the question i want to pose to you guys um is because now that now ang sort of enters the spirit world for the first time how do you guys feel about this that ang is kind of in the physical world but in spirit form and can't interact with anyone like how how do you feel about that um compared to because obviously we're later on going to see him just in the spirit world completely
2: I'm sorry, what was the uh, question? I
0: think Uh, I was... Uh, Let me just... Um, Go ahead. So, Aang in this episode, he claims he's in the spirit world. He can't bend. He's in sort of the energy projection blue form. Um, But he's he's on Earth. I mean, he can see Katara. He can see the entire Earth. He's not in the spirit world like he will be, say, in the Book 1 finale. Like, is what do you think is going on here with that because um, I, I was always a little bit confused watching it this episode this time around of being like wait a minute is he in the spirit world is he kind of in the spirit world? like like how do you what do you think that, about that I actually don't think
1: he's in the spirit world if anything I think that the, the reason why he reached that I guess let's just say is you know astral projection form is because he came into contact with Hebai in the first place. And you know, I guess you know, I think Angle is already naturally uh, sensitive to spirits, you know, and is, you know, and is capable, as we figure, as we see later on, you know, to enter the spirit world. If anything, um, I guess he was just not very aware of his sensitivity or ability to enter the spirit world. So I think that coming into contact with Heibai, um, just kind of brought out this uh, unknown ability. Or, you know, kind of a, this latent ability that he has. But because Aang doesn't physically, like, well, you know, he doesn't, you know, actively want it to go into the spirit world. It just kind of dragged out his spirit form into the, you know, into into the physical world, I guess, in a sense. Or the human world, if you want to put it that way. And, you know, that's kind of what happened. I was actually really curious, though, about, about that thinking into it. Is that, you know, this is, I think, one of the few, one of the first times... Or a few times you see someone, you know, being in spirit form, but not in the spirit world. So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Corey, how about you? I think it's
2: more of like an astral project, uh, projection. He's definitely not in the spirit world. I, I think him touching the um, – him obviously touching that spirit. Um, here's the thing, though. Like, I, I'm trying to think of it in where the, the they were thinking there – could that have been like the writers playing around with what the concept of the spirit world is? Because he ran into um, Roku's um, spirit, the dragon. So I, I kind of think he was in a type of spirit world and maybe they expand on more of what the spirit world is later on. But like, that's where it confuses me. I'd like to say it's like an astral projection and maybe it's because he's sent wherever this spirit happens to send its victims. But then at the same time, if he could run into Roku's spirit and communicate with him that makes me wonder too
0: yeah i i i, I kind of am in the same, similar place as you corey here i mean i at first when i was watching this i thought to myself is this something similar to what jinora can do in Korra with her with her spiritual projection which is an airbending move not even an avatar move because uh, it does look kind of similar with the sort of being in spirit form being able to travel distances very quickly um and that would make sense. But then you're right with, like, because the dragon is there it makes it feel much more like it is in fact in the spirit like he's actually in the spirit world. Um, the only real understanding that I've they've sort of been able to kind of put to it is like because Aang is so new to the spirit world that maybe there's some kind of, like, in-between place that's kind of, like, half spirit world, half not. But even that kind of doesn't make sense considering, like, we eventually find out there are portals and Like there's a fundamental, like an actual, like break between these worlds and all that. So, it it, to me does feel a little bit like they weren't completely sure as to what the spirit world was going to be, and they kind of, in this case, they kind of use it a little bit, and then eventually they're gonna gonna sort of go full bore later on. Um, I don't think it's the the biggest deal in the world, but it's just something that I've 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 been kind of confused about for a while. And and watching the episode, I, I didn't get any deeper understanding to it. I'm still like very much not sure. What uh, what's going on here?
1: Well, I think that the whole thing with Roku's dragon, though, is I think it's I think it's a completely separate fact. I think, if anything, Roku was waiting for Ang to enter the spirit, or at least you know enter in his spirit form at the very least, and he senses it because Aang is you know his you know it's his uh, he's his reincarnation. Descendant. Yeah, his reincarnation. So. I think that you know Roku already was actively looking for an opportunity, and when Aang does, you know, you know happen to go into spirit form, you know, he sends his dragon because he himself can't go, so he sends his dragon, you know, to send an important message that he needs to talk to him, uh, mostly because Aang can't connect to his previous avatar spirits to, you know, talk to Roku in the first place. So, I actually think that's the reason why, but you know, that's my conjecture. I still think that he's in the physical world, mostly because. You do see Aang trying to interact with you know Katara, and I think that everything we see about the spirit world afterwards is nothing has nothing to do with you know what has nothing to do with the spirit uh, you know this particular case has nothing to do with the spirit world itself. So I mean maybe in this case maybe the dragon is a very special case for you know you know avatars in this case I guess I'm not completely sure either.
0: You know, I, I, I agree with sort of the, the, the beginning of what you said, but I think that—I guess the point I was trying to make is I think that seeing the dragon makes it feel very sure that he is in the spirit world because he's seeing this spirit form of a dragon that Roku sent, and, like, Roku was waiting for Aang to enter the spirit world, and then he sent the dragon. I, so that, that, to me, makes sense, but then everything else doesn't Saying that you assume that he's in the spirit world. I, I, this is one of those things that, that, I, that, I'm, that I'm somewhat willing to sort of chalk up to this is still the beginning of the show. They were still not completely sure of exactly all of the kinks, um, although I mean, and I've said many times that one of the things that I love about the show is how much I feel like they knew most of what they were going to eventually do. Uh, and this seems just like one little sort of small thing. Is it a big deal? Not really. It doesn't. It certainly doesn't come close to ruining the episode for me. But it is something I've just I've never fully understood.
1: I mean, can not spirits leave the spirit world? You know, and go to other places as well, though, and you know. Just like, you know, how Hei Bai only shows up at night because um, I guess I guess that he has, you know, a stronger spiritual presence at night. Maybe the dragon can come out, you know, like Roku can send him out or ask him to go out because he is, you know, an avatar spirit guide in a sense. So he can, you know, go out throughout, leave the spirit world to go meet up with,
0: uh, to go meet Aang at wherever he needs to be. But if if that's the case, why did he have to wait until he was... In spirit form, because Ank can't contact spirits previous to this. Yeah, I guess I had thought of that. That is an interesting put, idea. That maybe he's just—he is straight up in the physical world. This is completely and hundred percent some this, kind of Aang, spiritual before this, projection. Before can't
1: actually—you know—he con- doesn't know anything about the spirit world before this. You know, this is his first contact with the spirit world and you know and spirits in general like he doesn't know that he has the ability to go into the spirit Mm -hmm. world i think so far Corey, how do you feel about that
2: if i were to honestly my my gut instinct uh i still side with you know what i really truly think i think the writers were still grasping the concept of what the spirit world truly is and i think this is the beta of the spirit world and uh that's i mean you know it's still early on in the series so
1: Okay. Yeah. That that could
0: yeah. also be. I don't know. I, I, I I'm still I'm still on that one, but I, I that the way Mitchell just phrased it is something I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in that term, and I think that it it does at least give some degree of sense. So I'm not sure. Um, all right. So moving on to Act Two. Um, the first thing we see, I just a little bit of awe. Zuko knows Iroh's scent. Very uh, very cute there. Um, but we go back uh, we go back to Ang, um, and I have to say. Aang's line here is is probably one of the best line sum of Aang's character I've ever heard. All I have to do is figure out what I have to do. But after that, no problem. That's Aang. That's an airbender, and that's Aang. One sentence. If you had to ask me what is Aang, that's him. Right there. He needs to figure out what he has to do, and once he does, then it's no big deal. Um... And obviously it's it's sort of funny, and, and I can laugh about it. But I also think that there is some some degree of, of airbender, of, of actual of the airbender philosophy in that. Because if you look at Aang, and especially when we see Aang in, in, in the episode Bitter, Bitter Work with Toph, that for Aang, it's not about execution. Execution has never been the problem for Aang. It's about finding the right strategy. Find the strategy, and once you have the strategy, you, the execution is the easy part. Um, and I do think that that's kind of actually... In an important part of where ang is with all of this so as much as I love it firstly because you know it's kind of funny but and it does sum up his character really well but it's also i think sums up the air some degree airbender actual airbender philosophy that figuring out what you have to do is the hard part doing it that's the easy part
1: yeah so I guess for me execution is not so much i guess it's finding the path
0: is what you mean well, yeah that 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 once you once you figure out how to do something, then it's easy. While I feel like with because I feel like the difference is that when you have someone like um, like Katara, if you see her starting with with water bending, for her the struggle is executing it. It, it. Early on, at least, is her sort of he, she knows the forms, but she needs to she struggles to execute them until she you know becomes a much better, a much-bender waterbender, and then eventually she, you know, she sort of accelerates and becomes great. But you see with Aang, it's it's once he has the forms, he basically can waterbend no problem. Um, it just takes him a lot harder to sort of get to, to becoming a master. But I think that's like, the kind of the, 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 the Avatar philosophy of like, when Aang's like, well, what if I come at the boulder from a different angle? Like, for Aang, it's not when, when he fails, it's not, I need to try harder, I need to sort of dig deeper or anything. It's, okay, that didn't work. Let's try something new. And I feel like that's that's what he's getting at there.
2: Well, I mean, are you saying this is an airbender philosophy or an avatar philosophy? Because you said airbender for... No.
0: No, airbender. But avatar, I mean an Ang philosophy. This is definitely not an avatar philosophy at all. Right.
2: Yeah, I could agree.
1: Mm. I don't know. I don't know if it's an... Avatar philosopher or if it's just an Aang philosophy. No,
0: I I I do not think at all that it's an Avatar philosophy. I think No, I mean
1: uh, airbender
0: philosopher, sorry. Uh, I mean obviously we don't see that many airbenders, but I do think that from what we know of airbender philosophy with sort of you know, sort of the the idea of being solving problems from by being, by being clever, we see it with, you know, and I will keep going back to it, we see this with Aang's fighting with Toph about, you know, how to earth bend and how to he he's looking. Ang is consistently looking for a a strategy or a, a trick or something in order to do it, as opposed to looking to sort of say, "I'm just going to stand here until I move the rock." Um, and I think that that's to some degree what he's sort of saying here: of like, "I'm not." It's not for him. It's not. I need to sort of practice and and, and, and do all this stuff and be stubborn and just do it. It's I need to figure out what the correct strategy is. Yeah,
1: I can see that. I can, I can go behind
0: that. Um, so obviously then, um, Iroh, or uh, Roku's dragon takes Aang to go uh, to go talk to him. Um, and then one small little bit of tidbit here is that you can see that Iroh can see spirits. Um, and I don't think anybody else in, in Last Airbender can see spirits the way that uh, Iroh can. I know eventually we're going to see it later with, with Jinora. Um, in Korra, but I think that there it does. It's sort of just an interesting little, you know, tying these two stories together in a, in a very small way, and not something that affects the episode in, in anything. But it just gives you one more little piece about Iroh that oh, Iroh can see spirits, which I I'm pretty sure nobody else can. Uh, it's possible there's someone else somewhere, but I, I if they do, I don't remember off the top of my head.
1: But then, what's the difference between Heibai and them in this sense? Is it just because well? I guess it goes back to: Are they in the spirit world or not, or are they just roaming spirits? Because, in theory, if they're just spirits in the physical world, then almost anyone can see them, right?
0: Or well, I can... think that it's spirits that take. Um, I think in the case of Haybey, because Haybey is like guys anger is made it manifest itself in a physical form, um, while the, the random spirits that are in the in the spirit world are in the physical world that are, for the most part, invisible. Because we, we do, I believe, see in Korra um, that Jinora can see them all the time and then they reveal themselves to everybody else when they feel comfortable. So I think spirits can choose to remain invisible or visible, um, but some people have the ability to see them regardless of their choice. Mm, okay, yeah. This really has turned into a book, two of Korra, just just everything. <laughs> Everything. Well, it's
2: funny. I mean, it has to because this is the for again. This is the first episode you're really diving into what spirits are, and in Korra, that's the ultimate expansion of the lore and the spirit world and everything. So it just makes sense how there's so many parallels.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm fine with it. And at the end of the day, like that's part of the point of this show is is to sort of see to see this stuff early on in TLA and how much it affects things later on. Uh, it's just like for the first part we've kind of been like there's been occasional. Blips of Cora, and there's been, you know, occasionally we get into sort of a, a discussion. I'm like, wait, let's just not go down this road. And this time, it's been like, there's been a lot of this like legitimate stuff to discuss when it comes to that, which is interesting. Um, I, so we get, once I gets to uh, Roku, Roku statue, um, and sees the the comet. I like the little bit of visual cue there that we just sort of see. We just get this first little visual experience of of the comet. We don't we don't get anything about it, um, and yet. It struck me how much, even without anything, the comet does look kind of intimidating. Like, we don't know what it is, we don't know what's going on there, but it does look pretty intimidating for just just a five-second throw, you know, something that was thrown into a frame for five seconds. It definitely shows
1: the symbol of, you know, it kind of... If, you know, Roku sent the dragon in this case, he clearly shows that it's a very important matter that, you know, he, the dragon can't speak, but the images he sends him is, you know, what I think Roku, deter- Roku determines what's the most important thing then, you know, why Aang has to get there
0: urgently. hmm Corey, anything on that?
2: No, honestly, uh, watching it then as a kid and watching it now, to me, it, it was just a comment. I mean, I was perplexed to what it could mean i i didn't know obviously what it would end up meaning but uh visually it really didn't strike me as anything different than any other medium showing what a comet is obviously it's important Mm -hmm. it's just visually it didn't strike me as being different than anything else i've already seen okay
0: that's right i mean it's it's small but it just i know at least um so i like so once we get to the the fight between um, Zuko and the Earthbenders, and um, this is a really a really good fight. Um, Iroh is an absolute badass in this, um, and I I really like that they let Iro play this more or less without bending. And even though we know he's an incredibly powerful Firebender, we more or less just get to see Iro fighting with whatever he has available to him, and and that's just that's just so cool. It's so it's so awesome to see that fight. Um, and then once again, comparing this to sort of the last you know six episodes this is a completely different fight from anything we've seen before we've we, we sort of we've had a bunch of different fights and now we get something totally different and it's astounding to me how much you know yeah we're still early on but we just continually get different and new types of fights and new different thing new things here and there um, and it, it really does continue I mean I mean you're sort of thinking about the show moving forward um so this is really you know this is just a really cool really different really interesting fight and I, I really enjoyed it Oh okay, um, yeah. How do you how do you feel about the fight, Mitchell? Uh,
1: I was actually wondering though, um, if Iroh couldn't have just taken care of the four of them himself, but that he was kind of stalling for time, maybe to uh, test Zuko a little bit and see you know where his heart lied. Um, that's just a small theory that I have in my in my head. But I because I think that when he does start fighting, he does show that even if he was alone, he could have probably dealt with them. I mean it would have been hard. I don't think anyone wants to fight against four earthbenders themselves. But I think that, that was a little bit there's a little bit of that throughout the episode and then it gets to the fight and it also shows, you know, how much uh, Zuko and Iroh, they have a connection.
0: Yeah, I mean, I the way I the way I took that almost was I think that yes, Iroh probably probably could have taken them on his own if he had to, but he waited as much as possible to see if he could get reinforcements because it's always better to sort of wait until yeah. he could. Um, and I think that it's sort of another sort of bit of tactical sort of tactical brilliance that you know you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go for this fight until I absolutely mm-hmm. have to, and then if I do. I'll go for it and we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm curious to see, I would have been curious to see what would have happened if I, if, if, if Zuko hadn't um, jumped after that rock and if, uh, if, you know, if Iro was sort of forced to deal with things on his own, but it's, you're sort of curious to see, uh, but I do, I do think that Iroh is, you know, in general, this, he's just great in this.
1: Yeah. I can, that, I think that's, that's fair. I think the fight itself was, was pretty good though. I think it, uh, again, like you said, I think it demonstrates a lot of the different aspects of firebending and, you know, what people can do depending on their skill level.
0: Yeah. Corey, I know you uh, talked a little bit about this fight early on, but anything you want to add to about about this fight?
2: I, I don't think he was ever in any real danger. I think he was doing this more so to help out Zuko, and mm-hmm. even Zuko said at the end of it all, like, you know, I had a great teacher, and I know everything Iroh does is in benefit of Zuko. I think if push came to shove and, and Zuko didn't come through, he would have made it out without his hands being crushed, um, and I, I think it's it's just a matter of him always being three steps ahead of everything, every single thing, and, and he would have known a long time before any anyone else that he, Zuko wouldn't be able to bail him out, and he would have, knocked out the earthbenders and made it back to the fire nation. So I think it's just another matter of him just
0: trying to teach Zuko a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so we move on to the end of the episode uh, and, and Mitchell mentioned earlier, but I, I definitely love hay uh, in his panda form. Um, you can just see, see how different they are between the angry spirit and the, the sort of spirit when it's, when it's calmer um, and it's, it's just, once again, really great um, art style with there. Um, and in the case of Ang, all sort of all's well that ends well, the, uh, the the missing people come back once uh, Hei Bai has been calmed down. Um, and it, it pains me that they set up the stupid fart joke in the Avatar and the Fire Lord with uh, with Sokka saying that there is no bathroom and then we, we they do the, they play that again back in book three. But, you know, I guess if they're gonna if they're gonna do it, I guess set it up, whatever. Um, and I know it's a small bit of a line here but I actually really like Sokka sort of when they when they ask if there's anything that, that could help us that sort of you see Sokka being pragmatic enough to be like yes we need supplies and money like we, we're traveling this is hard we need this and I think that it's sort of even though Katara is like you're being rude and I guess kind of but at the end of the day Sokka is not wrong he's not asking for something because he wants to like Go spend it on random stuff. Like they do need money, um, so I think it's just an interesting. Once again, another sort of interesting difference between their characters um, in terms of what one being sort of the pragmatic one, while the other being a little bit more polite um, in general.
1: Well, if anything, it just solidifies that Sokka's. He might not be the leader, but he's the practical. He's he's the practical one, and, and makes things and you know and makes sure that things can keep going. He's the one who's really thinking about logistics, in a sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so that wraps up this episode. Um, obviously, this is a two-parter, so so the, the very end is 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 set up very much set up for the next episode. But we will talk about that uh, next week. Um, I chose to break up these episodes uh, mostly because I think that they're very distinct. Um, they feel very. They, this episode does feel complete to me. Um, yes, they're set up, and yes, the end of the episode flows directly into the next one, but other than being, the other than being one, day, one full day between the two of them, I, I don't see any real reason that this needs to be a two-parter, so obviously I broke them up, and um, we will do um, Avatar Roku next week. Um, so with that, we're going to go into our final thoughts and rating for this episode. Um, I have Lindsay's rating uh, She unfortunately couldn't join us But she texted me hers So I'm going to read her thoughts in full And give her rating And then we will go around the rest of us uh, So from Lindsay I always was really interested in this episode And how it introduced the ideas of spirits In the spirit world uh, Which of course we know is incredibly important Later on, especially in Korra It serves as a way to showing us the audience um, More spiritual aspect of being the Avatar And also introduces us to Avatar Roku Who will be a pretty important character for Aang In the future I also like seeing Iroh and Zuko come back and getting to see their own separate mini-adventure besides just Avatar hunting. The episode itself is also a good way of introducing the next episode, one that I consider to be one of the most important episodes of the entire series. And Lindsay gave it an 8.6 out of 10. So, Corey, final thoughts and rating.
2: Um, As I said at the beginning of the episode, I absolutely love this episode. Um, Both stories interest me. Um, You see the best of Iroh. You get introduced to the spirit world, You these are all, everything you see, everything, from the, 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 the nickname Dragon of the West, to Bas, the Battle of Bon Sing Se, to the spirit world, to the Comet, to Avatar Roku, to the spirit of Avatar Roku, the dragon, every single piece of information introduced in this episode comes back later in the show at one point, one way or another, um, and... Um, I am very high on this episode, Uh, it's a perfect, perfect lead into, oh, let me me, add on to that, another thing I like is that they're not making you wait for the solstice, he's going to be able to talk to Roku next episode, so it is a perfect cliffhanger episode, so for all these reasons, I got to give this episode um, a
0: 9.2. Okay. So Mitchell, uh, this will be your first time doing this, but why don't you give us your th- final thoughts and your rating for this episode?
1: I thought, as an introduction to the main, I guess, the intro to the intro of the of the main plot of the story, as to you know what Eng has to do. I think it was a really great setup episode, and you know, part two goes on to really dive into that. Um, I think that. As an overall episode, though, I think I mean it was good. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't definitely one of my favorites. Um, I I did like you know um, I guess introduction to the world building, especially you know uh, regarding the avatar. You know what av- what the avatar's job is, and you know and his and Aang's first connection to spirits uh, was really good. I'd probably rate it. Uh, 7.5 to, or maybe I'll give, I'll give it an A, actually. I think it was a pretty solid episode overall.
0: Okay. Um, as for me, I, I think this is, to be honest, pretty clearly the, the strongest episode um, that we've had so far. Um, there's really been almost nothing in this episode that I have, have had to complain about. Um, the, only, the only real negative, I would say, is the fact that I'm not entirely sure how the spirit world works um, but I'm willing to sort of excuse that because it's it's not. It, I don't think it drags the episode down. It's it's just a, it's a little bit. It's just a small thing. Um, so if it wasn't for that, I think this episode could be could actually be like in one of the real top tiers. Um, it do, that does sort of break down just a tad. So I'll, I'm actually going to go with the same with Corey, and this just makes me feel really weird. But I'm also going to give it a 9.2, which I believe is my highest rating uh, so far. Um, I do think it is. I do think it is a little uh, definitely a cut above. The last couple of episodes, um, and in general, I think this was a a really good episode. And the more, the thing that has struck me about how much is when I when when I did my notes for this episode, I was sort of not entirely sure how I wanted to rate it, and I was kind of thinking maybe like an eight, maybe you know sort of an eight point five or something like that. But the more I've talked about it, the more I've liked it, and that to me is the mark of a very good episode. So this episode has gone up quite a bit just over discussing it in the last hour, um, which in general I think is is a sign that that an episode has some 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 saying power. Um, So with that, we're going to uh, close out. This has been Thoughts from Aunt Wu. Uh, As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Aunt Wu underscore pod. Uh, If you tweet at us, we can answer questions or discuss things. If you have any uh, thoughts on this episode or the next episode, anything like that. Um, You can also leave comments on iTunes or on SoundCloud, and we can uh, get those as well. Uh, Look for us next week. We will be doing the second part of this episode, so we'll end on the cliffhanger from this one, the cliffhanger for us. Um, And with that, that's it. Thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you to Mitchell and Corey for being on the panel today. Thank you.